Hey, Boards Insiders, this is our first mini-episode. There was a little delay and technical difficulties in getting this up, but here it is. Stay tuned for our next full-length episode with Ken Rosenthal of Rapid Review Microbiology and Immunology fame. He's going to go over microbiology in a broad overview, and we will be following his sort of schema throughout the Study Smarter series with our microbiology mini-episodes. And I do have a special announcement, which I am not going to make until the 26th of March. But if you go to our website at insidetheboards.com and join our email list, we'll include you in the special announcement email that I'll be sending out later this week. It's a special offer to help your USMLE Step 1 preparation. I don't want to give all the details now, but let's just say it's a great value and it will help you get the score that you deserve. As always, thanks for listening. Welcome to our first ever mini episode for the Inside the Board's Study Smarter series, review for the USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1. You can hear more about how we are going to be helping you to prepare for Step 1 by listening to our episode entitled, What is the Study Smarter Series? on iTunes, or by visiting our website at insidetheboards.com backslash podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Beeman. I will be doing the mini episode question dissections for the Step 1 series, and these mini episodes will focus on pharmacology and microbiology specifically. Our question today comes from the osmosis cubing. A 25-year-old woman comes to your clinic complaining of low-grade fever and malaise for three days. She is a self-described hiking enthusiast and had a short weekend camping trip in Maryland 10 days ago. Physical examination shows an expanding erythematous patch with a clear ring on the upper right arm, as well as regional lymphadenopathy. Which of the following is most likely to occur if this patient's condition is left untreated? And our answer choices are A, alopecia, B, infertility, C, inflammatory arthritis, D, subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, or E, galacteria. And the correct answer is C, inflammatory arthritis. Let me take you inside this question so we can see just how we arrived at this answer. So in order to predict what might happen next if this patient doesn't get treated, we first have to figure out what she has. Low-grade fever, malaise, and even regional lymphadenopathy should be identified immediately as vague findings that are unlikely to rule in or out a certain diagnosis, but generally point to some kind of infectious process. Part of improving your efficiency in step one is recognizing these vague symptoms and taking brief note of them, pushing them to the back of your mind, and looking for more key differentiating factors presented in the vignette. Like, this patient has a very specific description for her rash and a recent travel history to a certain part of the country. For step one, if we see a patient with a ring-shaped rash, we also have a certain differential that we can think of. Tinea corporis, or ringworm, often caused by trichophytum or microsporum, is one thing that we could think about. However, the vignette would probably present a patient that had potential exposure to another human or animal infected with ringworm. Think of children who are at daycares or wrestlers who use mats that aren't always cleaned. We can also think of cutaneous lupus, and in that case, you would usually have a descriptor that had the rash in particularly sun-exposed areas. However, lupus is more often described as a discoid rash or the pathognomonic, especially for step one, remember this, butterfly-shaped rash on the face. Then we have our ringed erythemas, erythema multiforme, erythema marginatum, and erythema migrans. Erythema multiforme 
is multiple different lesions all over the body. And in this, we have only one. In erythema multiforme, you see purpuric macular lesions, and they're always associated with some kind of systemic immune reaction. Think about Steven Johnson syndrome, and think about a patient who would be presented as having recently gotten some kind of infection or recently started a new drug. Erythema marginatum are described as pink rings with a very good margin around them. You can think of that. And those are also multiple. They can be on the torso and limbs and can come and go, and that is part of the typical presentation. We see this in rheumatic fever, and remember the causative agent for that is strep pyogenes, and erythema migrans, which are the circle-ringed rashes of Lyme disease, our correct answer. And we knew it was Lyme disease because we often hear this bullseye appearance, but we're seeing that this vignette is describing a ringed-shaped rash, and we can remember that the board's just like this vignette, has gotten away from using these kind of buzzwords because they make it a little bit too easy. Seeing a target lesion, seeing a bullseye lesion, that makes you think of Lyme disease. You don't have to do enough thinking. So they want to actually describe what the rash looks like to you and make sure you really understand what it means. We also know that this patient had a recent travel history of camping in Maryland, which of course makes us think which of these diseases is associated with camping in the northeastern U.S., remembering patients get tick bites, thereby getting Lyme disease when they go camping. And for step one, the Ixodes deer tick transmits Borrelia burgdorferi, which of course is Lyme disease. Other symptoms associated with Lyme disease that you should know are arthritis, which is the correct answer, AV node block, and facial nerve palsy, Bell's palsy. The popular mnemonic is face. It can make you think of these symptoms as the patient in the vignette was just recently exposed, likely only a few days ago. All she's going to have is that localized rash and the flu-like symptoms that are the common presentation of the beginning of Lyme disease. The question is asking us, of course, what happens if we don't treat her? And now we think about it going on to stage two and three of Lyme disease. Stage two can include that third degree block of the heart in the aforementioned Bell's palsy, as well as the arthralgias, which we have as our correct answer. And stage three involves infection spreading to the brain, which can cause encephalopathy. Remember, like syphilis, Lyme disease can cause neurologic sequelae in the later stages. Most importantly, we really need to remember our mnemonic when we think of Lyme disease so that we remember all of the sequelae associated with it. Also, know that doxycycline is our treatment of choice if we were going to intervene. So let's think about our other choices. Choice A was alopecia, hair loss. What causes hair loss? Well, there is one infectious cause on the board's tinea capitis. It's a fungal infection of the scalp. Uh, There's a few drugs that may also cause it, but we don't need to get into that because it's not really something you would need to for step one, but vitamin deficiencies is something you need to know, and specifically vitamin A and Bs, especially patients with anorexia, can present with hair loss. What's our other cause? Something endocrine, and that's hypothyroidism, can also cause hair loss. Infertility is choice B for infectious causes of infertility. Think of a female with salpingitis, which can be caused by pelvic inflammatory disease, PID. Its most notable causes are chlamydia trachomatis and Neisseria gonorrhea. In a male, orchitis as a result of mumps can also cause infertility, or more rarely, oophoritis in women. While Lyme disease can cause encephalitis and meningitis, subacute sclerosing panencephalitis is associated specifically with measles. It's also abbreviated SSPE. It actually occurs years after the measles infection, and we have to remember 
that measles is the rash that starts from the head and spreads downward. We see that in a vignette that would present an unvaccinated child. This patient doesn't fit any of that description. Choice E is galactorrhea. It's the production and flow of breast milk associated with hyperprolactinemia, and it's an abnormal regulation of prolactin levels. This can happen via the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and or various chemical interactions. Specifically, we want to think about dopamine antagonism, which we see with antipsychotic medications. So this would be a side effect of antipsychotic medications commonly. So to summarize our approach, we established what was being asked. We ruled out the information that wasn't pertinent to answering the question. We chose the specific findings as clues to our diagnosis, and we referred to our memory and our mnemonic of what makes Lyme disease unique, namely the bullseye rash and the exposure to the tick-infested area. And then we remembered of the secondary symptoms as a result of Lyme disease, which one of these is given as an answer choice. So thank you for listening in today.